Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Turn to 1 Timothy 4.12. Um, the title of my talk is, is Just Faith It. Just Faith It. Uh, last service, I did a part one. There's five parts to this series that we just finished in youth called Listen to the Youth. I'm preaching two parts. I preach one in the 4 p.m. Um, about love. And, and, and this one I'm going to preach and I'm going to touch on faith and what faith is. And so 1 Timothy 4.12. And it says, let no one, Paul is saying this to Timothy, let no one despise you because of your youth, but set believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. I believe that we all have a voice, no matter if you are you know, young or old or seasoned or you've been in the faith for your whole life or you've just begun to believe, God has given you a voice to speak into other people's life. And yes, he is encouraging Timothy as a young person to trust in that voice that God has given him. But I believe that sometimes, though we may be seasoned in life, we've actually never truly found our voice. So I believe that this verse is not just for young people, but it is for Christians as a whole. It's for our community as a whole, that God has given you a voice. That God has given you the ability to speak his word into situations and things happen. And oftentimes the devil will go after your voice. He'll go after the things that, 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 that God is trying to speak through you and tries to disqualify you, tries to tell you that you can't or you are not worth it or, or you are not worthy. And the devil oftentimes will try to attack our voice, no matter how old we are, no matter what spectrum of faith we are at. I also believe that this could be a young in faith, someone who's young in faith who feels like they are not good enough yet to say anything to have a testimony, to have an opinion. But the thing about God's voice that he's given you, it's not an opinion, it's his word that he speaks through you and it is truth. And God has given you the ability to speak and have a voice and that's what we need in this world today. So this is what Paul is saying to a young leader, Timothy, a young man, over a church of 20,000 people, 20,000 people, and there's division in the church. There's division in the church of Ephesus and, and there's false teachings and, and disunity. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I need you as a young person, the leader of this community, to speak to these issues in the community and, and deal with it. I need you to use your voice to speak the truth. But first, before you can use your voice that God gave you, I need you to, to, to have some things in your life that are in order. Five things in your life that you must be an example in. You must be an example so when people look at you, not only will they not be able to discount you because of your age, but they won't be able to discount you because of your life and the way that it matches up with, the way that, with what you are saying. Your voice must be matched by your life. So he begins to walk through five things with Timothy as a leader, as a Christ follower, as a believer, and saying you must, you must, you must be an example in this. And the first thing he hits is, is your speech. Timothy, watch how you talk. Timothy, be an example in your speech. Be an example in the words that you say to people, about people, and about God. Watch your voice. Watch what you speak. Watch the words that you say. Do not be a gossiper. Do not be a person who spreads things. Be a person who only speaks encouragement, who only speaks love. Watch what you say. I believe that our words carry things. Our words, number one, carry life. 
John chapter 11, Jesus says to Lazarus, come back to life. And he walked out of the tomb. It carries life. I believe our voice and our words carry power. And it says in Matthew 17, with faith of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, go into the sea, and it will. There's power in your words. Your, your words carry identity. In Galatians chapter 3, it says that we are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, that you have an identity as a child of God. Your words are you and they are unique, that God created your voice and the words that you speak in the way that you speak them. He doesn't want you to talk a lingo because that's how everyone talks. He wants you to talk the way that he has created you to talk. He wants you to be who God has created you to be and that your words are unique. In Psalms 139, it says that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that we are the clay, he is the potter and he is molding us and shaping us and that that makes us unique. And that your voice is unique and only you can address some things because God has given you the voice and the speech to address them. The fifth thing is this, is it carries destiny. In Romans chapter 10, it says, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And in that, your eternal destiny is sealed. Your words carry destiny. But then he says, okay, Timothy, you got your words down. You talk very well. You talk the talk. But now let's begin to, to look at, do you walk the walk? So you're an example in the way that you speak, but are you an example in the way that you live? Be an example in conduct. Conduct is behavior. Conduct is lifestyle. Conduct is in the way that we live. He says, Timothy, are you an example in the way that you live? Because you can talk the right talk and you can say the right words, but if your life does not match up, it will completely disqualify what you just said. So it's be an example in how you speak, but now you need to be an example in your conduct. My pastor, Pastor Wendell Smith, as I was growing up, would always say this, attitude affects conduct or behavior. Behavior affects character. Character affects destiny. It begins in our heart. The way that we live begins in our heart. And sometimes, like Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to arrest Jesus out of zeal and passion and, and reaction, we as Christians react to things and we begin to cut off the ear of people's listening ear to God. Because of our conduct and because of our life, we actually remove the listening device for people to hear the voice of God. And we must take the example of Jesus instead of cutting the ear off of the person, he began to pick it up and heal it and he began to restore their listening device so they could hear his voice again. So he says, Timothy, be an example in your words. Be an example in your life. And then he says, you must now be an example in your love. This is what we talked about last service, is be an example in your love. We talked about not just loving how God loves without a hidden agenda, without the, the, the want of reciprocation. Not, we have to love in a divine way. We must prefer what God loves. So not only do we love how God loves, but we must love what God loves. And we learn that, in Luke chapter 7 with the story of the alabaster box that, 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 that Jesus loves you as the individual. He loves you despite your past and despite your sin. He loves you and he loves that he created you the way that you are. He loves that you are unique. He loves the way that you look. He loves your personality. He loves everything about you. And if Jesus loves you, we must now learn how to love ourselves. So the first thing that we learn is that we have to learn 
how to love what God loves and that God loves you. He loves us. He loves us as the individual. But the second thing is he loves everyone. In this story, Jesus was reclining with a Pharisee and then the prostitute was worshiping with him. That Jesus not only spent time with those in, in, in upper social classes, but also those in the lowest of the low. That Jesus loves everyone despite ethnicity, despite social economic classes. Jesus is not prejudiced. Jesus is not uh, drawn to one group of people, but Jesus loves everyone. So if Jesus Jesus loves everyone. We must, in, in turn, love everyone as well if we are going to be an example in how we love. The third thing is this, is that Jesus loves worship. So not only does he love you as the individual or, or everybody, no matter who they are or where they come from, but he loves worship. And worship is, is hearing the still, small voice of God in your control center and your personality and your feelings and your emotions and your heart. And when he says, you need to give this up, we give it up. Why? Because we are responding to his voice. And worship is humbling ourselves, obeying the voice of God, giving up what we need to give up so we can receive what he has for us. And this is what the woman did in this story. She broke the alabaster box. She broke the thing that she used for her work, that she used to attract people to her business. And she broke it because there was something inside of her that said, break it because this man has something better. So we have to love the individual, we have to love ourselves, we have to love everyone, and we have to love worship. And then, and then Paul begins to touch on something else. He says, okay, Timothy, and this is where we'll land today, is, is be an example in your faith. Be an example in your faith. Don't we hear this word so much in the church? Just gotta have faith. We just gotta have faith. And oftentimes, we, we, we equate faith to us believing more in God. God, I just got to believe more in you. I, can be I believe that you're going to heal me. I believe that something's going to happen. Faith and belief are not the same thing. Belief is your human intellect and coming to a conclusion that you generally agree with these concepts of religion. That we can believe in this because I can mentally agree with what was just said. That's what belief is. Belief is human effort. Belief is human initiated. Belief is that we, by our human effort, now decide that we agree with what is being said and agree what is happening, and that's why we believe. Faith is completely different. Faith is divinely initiated. Faith is divinely given. Faith is initiated by God, given by God, and, and grown by God. You cannot grow your faith off your human effort. You cannot grow our faith off, off, off just mere belief. Faith is initiated and given by God. It says in the word that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing God's voice. And I believe not only is it coming by hearing God's voice, but it comes when we obey his voice. In Matthew chapter 14, we have a story and, and, and we have the disciples and they're in a boat. And these were, most of them were fishermen, professional fishermen. This was their job. This was their duty. And, and they, they, throughout their life, it being their job, they would see storms on the, on the sea. They would see storms in the middle of their work. But this one was a different storm. This one was different. This one was terrifying. This one threatened to take their life. And they did not know what to do. They were paralyzed in fear. They were paralyzed in, in, in the worry of feeling like they were going to die. And their life was going to end. And this was it. We tried to give everything to this Jesus guy. But it didn't work. And now there's a different storm coming our way. I thought I had victory in this. I thought I did this. I thought I went this way. But there's something different coming their way that is paralyzing them. And as they sit in the boat, there's something that happens. Jesus begins to walk on the water and they think, is it a ghost? Who is this man? What is this? And there's a man named Peter who I love because he's crazy and he just talks. And he's like, Jesus, if that's you, call to me and I will come. 
So let's pick this up in Matthew 14, verse 28, and it says this, And Peter answered him, Lord, if that is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water. But Jesus immediately, or sorry, he walked on the water, and when he saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took him and saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when then he got in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, Peter did not walk on the water until he heard the word of God. Until he heard Jesus say, come, that's when he had the faith deposited in his spirit to step into the storm that was paralyzing him in fear. The storm that he did not know the answer to. The storm that he had never seen before. The situation that was, what, what was so over his head and he couldn't come to a mental agreement with why is this happening and what is going on and, and I don't understand it. There was a moment that Jesus spoke and when Jesus spoke, Peter did something that no one has ever done before or since. He began to walk on something that was, uh, you could not walk on. He began to walk on something that was not concrete. He began to walk on water and walk towards his God who called his name. I don't know. I grew up in church. I don't know if this is you, but I know for me, I have prayed the prayer standing at the edge of a dock and saying, God, like Peter, let me walk on water. Close my eyes and I step out and I sink down to the, I'm like, oh God, you're real. Or you're not real. I'm like questioning my salvation, questioning if God's real, like what is going on? This is a 13 year old. Anyways, Peter did something that I think because sometimes we grow up in church and we hear the story, it, it becomes diluted and, 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 and pushed down. But really, uh, Peter did something that is, is physically, you know, with physics would say this is impossible. It's impossible. He cannot do this. He stepped out into water and began to walk towards his Savior. And it wasn't because it was his human effort that got him to, you know, he didn't pump himself up. Okay, I'm going to do this. All right, Peter, you know, you jump off a cliff, you have to pump yourself up a little bit. He wasn't pumping himself up. It was when God spoke, there was something that was de uh, deposited in his spirit, and that was faith. Faith is initiated by God. Faith begins with God. Faith is grown with God. And when God speaks, there's something deposited. And there was something deposited in Peter, enough for him to step out into the storm he did not recognize, that he did not realize, that he had never seen before, that paralyzed him with fear. Have we ever been in this situation in life where we feel like we have just found victory? Because guess what? Jesus had just fed the 5,000 and like, this is amazing. This guy's awesome. This guy's beautiful. This is victory. We made the right decision and then they get to the middle of the, the lake and there's a storm that they've never seen before. How often and how is that such a great depiction of our God walk that the moment we have a victory in God, the moment we begin to have breakthrough, the moment we begin to have freedom in our family, in our business, in our own God walk, there's now a new attack that's coming a different way that we don't recognize, that paralyzes us in fear. And we're like, where is this coming from? God, are you real? I thought this, I thought that. I gave everything that I was to you and you failed me. What is going on? Where are you at? Why have you forgotten me? And we need to go back to the word that God spoke to us so we can step into our storm. So Peter gets this word and he begins to step in the storm. He begins to walk on water. He begins to walk on the thing that nobody has ever walked on before. And he begins to walk to his Savior, walk to the God who called him. But quickly he forgets because he looks at his circumstances. 
Faith cannot be determined by the circumstances that surround you. Faith cannot be determined by the things that are going on in our lives. Faith cannot be determined by the, 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 the things that maybe aren't going so right because if it is, that's not faith, that's belief. Because belief goes away when facts speak something different. But faith comes no matter what the facts say, no matter what the circumstances say. There's faith that's been deposited by the word of God and I keep on walking. So Peter has this moment of, he begins to, to look around him and, and realize, what am I doing? I am in the middle of this crazy storm. I, am, I just stepped out of my comfort zone. I stepped out of my safety net. The boat was where I was safe. The boat is where I was protected. What am I doing? And he begins to rationalize and reason why he just did what he did. And he forgot the reason why he did what he did was because God spoke. And he began to think, well, maybe it's just, I don't know, what am I doing? And then something, and he begins to sink, and Jesus reaches and says, you have little faith. Don't you, rem I, I think really what he was saying, he wasn't beating him up, he wasn't pushing him down. He's saying, do you remember what I spoke? Do you remember what I said? I said, come. If I said, come, don't you think I'm gonna take care of you? If I said, step into your storm, step into your circumstance, don't you think I'm gonna give you victory? Don't you think that I'm gonna find you, I'm gonna see it to the end? Don't you think that I'm gonna bring what I said I was gonna bring? Because oftentimes we can get in the middle of our storm and God has spoken and we get to the middle of it and we begin to look at the circumstances and we begin to forget what God spoke and say, God, are you real? God, are you here? Why have you forsaken me? What is going on? Why am I here? And then we begin to sink in our circumstances, sink in self-pity, sink in brokenness. And we're like, God, what do I do? Remember my word. Remember what I spoke. What, that's why it's so important for us to constantly seek our word of God and be reading the word because what that does is feeds our faith. It deposits faith in the middle of a circumstance. It deposits faith that's not reading it because it's a religious routine or something we're supposed to do, but it's reading the words of God and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we begin to hear the word of God, there's something deposited in our spirit. Why do we come to church every weekend on a Sunday, 9.30, 11.30, 4 and 6? Because we need faith deposited in our spirits. It's not about a man who's talking. It's about the God who's speaking through them and that in his word, there can be faith deposited it into your circumstance. Faith is the currency of heaven. God deposits faith into our spirit, into our soul, into our control center, and we deposit faith back into God, into our miracle. That's how it works, initiated by God. We, we get the faith, we receive the faith, and then we begin to deposit it back and say, God, I need some, th th there's a diagnosis. We're gonna begin to deposit that faith into that diagnosis. God, this family member's gone, they're lost. I don't know what to do. God, I'm depositing faith that you've given me. Lord, there's a business deal that I, I don't know if it's gonna happen. I don't know if it's gonna work. Lord, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. You have initiated the faith, and Lord, I'm just gonna give you back what is already yours, the faith that you have given me, and I'm gonna deposit into my marriage. So we have this moment with Peter. He has this amazing act of faith. Sometimes it's, it's washed away because he, he began to look at the waves, but really it was an amazing act of faith. It was a storm he did not recognize and did not realize, and he had the faith that was given by God to step out, to obey what God said. But how about us, and, and we've all been there, who, who, who feel like God has let us down so many times and we're so hurt by God that our ears are now closed off to his word that it's hard for us to believe unless we see something happen. 
We have those questions in our mind. Maybe you're an intellectual being, an intellectual person who you have to rationalize and, 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 and realize everything with your mind. And if you can't think it and if you can't process it with your human finite thinking, that, that there's something that's just going to stop you from really truly trusting and putting your faith in a God because you cannot comprehend anything about this. See, Christianity was never meant to be comprehended or to be realized or to be rationalized. Christianity was meant to be experienced and encountered by a God who is living and active and real. Christianity is not a religion, a list of rules and regulations and a way of, you know, a good way of living. Christianity is a walk with God. On a daily basis, we are getting faith deposited in our hearts and in our spirits, and we walk and we respond and we obey. We step out into circumstance. We step out into pain. We step out, we step out into hurt. We step out into insecurity. We step out into fear, but we know that the God who spoke has got our back. That's what Christianity is. But sometimes with our... Our minds, we, we try to rationalize and, and reason, how could this be real? This does not make sense. And there was a guy just like that in the Bible. And sometimes, like I said, he gets kind of a bad rap. His name is Thomas. Sometimes Thomas just gets a bad rap. Sometimes people just be like, oh, yeah, Thomas. Doubting Thomas. What a loser. I would never do that. But haven't we all? Haven't we all had that moment with Jesus saying, okay, God, if you're real and you did all these things for everybody else, why can't you do it for me? You don't believe me? John chapter 20. John chapter 20 says this. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see him in his hands in the mark the mark of nails and the place and place my finger into the mark of nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came through and stood among them and said, peace be with you. First of all, this cray cray. Doors are locked, doors are shut. Jesus just hops up through the, you know, walks into the room is like, peace be still everybody. Because they're probably freaking out, right? They're probably like, whoa, oh my God, who is that? The door's locked, like, I don't know, I'm easily scared. Maybe you're not. Anyways, door was locked. Jesus comes and says, peace be still. I love Jesus' answers. Like, guys, don't freak out. You've seen this before, come on. And then he said to, and then he said to Thomas, put your finger here in my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered, my Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, have you not believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. So we see Thomas, and uh, we have to give a little bit of backstory. Jesus had died. He was in the grave for three days. He was risen back, risen back to the dead. And there was these two ladies who saw Jesus, you know, in his empty tomb. They're like, Jesus is alive and Jesus is alive. And the disciples are like, yo, woman, be quiet. He's not alive. He just died. We're trying to mourn. And they lock the door and they're mourning and they're sad. And, and then they sent out Thomas like, hey, Thomas, can you do a Chick-fil-A run for us? Can we, you know, Peter's like, I want, you know, number one, no pickles. Please, no pickles. Chick-fil-A sauce. And, and then Matthew's like, hey, can I get, um, you know, I, I want the salad. I'm trying to go healthy, you know. I'm trying to lose weight. I don't want to eat away my sorrows. So He's like, can you do this? And, and, then, and, and then, you know, um, we have John. He's like, John's like, well, you know, I'm a feeler. I'm a lover. Give me like four meals. I just need to eat away my sorrows. And so all these things. And so, so Thomas is getting the orders. Thomas is taking everything. He's like, okay, I got it. He's like, hey, Thomas, if you get this wrong, you might be out of the group. All right? So don't get this wrong. A lot of pressure on Thomas. So Thomas leaves, and they lock the door. Like, lock the door. We'll wait for him to come back. And he goes to Chick-fil-A, and he's getting the orders. And while he's gone, Jesus appears. 
like, man, that sucks. Like, he missed it. And so uh, he leaves. He goes to Chick-fil-A. He's ordering. And, and Jesus appears. He walks through the wall. He says the same thing. He says, peace be still. And they're like, oh, wow, Jesus is real. What they said was true. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And that speaks to us as Christ followers who are, who are playing it safe. We're, oh, God, you know, I don't know. And he's like, no, no, quit playing it safe. What I said was true. Here, I'm alive. Let me show you. But then we have the guy like Thomas. He comes back from Chick-fil-A. He got all the orders right, by the way. And he's like, here you go. Here's this. Here, John, here's all four meals. You know, you know what? Your sorrow, it's going to be okay. They're like, we're not sad anymore. Jesus came. He, he showed up in the room. He was here. He's alive. This is amazing, Thomas. Woo! And they're expecting Thomas to be like so pumped up. Thomas is like, you serious? Nah, he's not real. That's not real. He's not alive. I saw him die. I saw him bury. I saw them bury him. I, I, I know he's dead. That speaks to almost us as Christians when we're hurt and we're offended. We feel left out. We feel looked over. We feel forgotten. God's showing up in everybody else's life but mine. How can God be real? This circumstance is happening to me. This is happening to me. This is happening to me. But for some reason, I always seem to miss out on God. I seem to always miss out on that encounter. You know, this person said, oh, wow, God set me free. God showed up. I felt God, but I didn't. Where's God in my life? Haven't we all been there? Haven't we all been in Thomas's shoes? Being in the place where we feel like God has forgotten about us, forgotten about our circumstance, forgotten about our situation, forgot about what we're going through. Thomas is hurt. Thomas gave everything he had to Jesus. He gave up his business. He gave up his life. He gave up everything. And he feels like Jesus failed him. He was supposed to be the son of God. He was supposed to be the Messiah, yet he dies and he leaves us here. And then I have all these other apostles telling me that he showed up, but not to me. What about me, God? So everything he says is out of reaction. He says, you know what? I'm not going to believe in God ever unless I feel the scars on his hand and the scar on his side. I will never believe. And the thing I love about Jesus is that he showed up again not for everybody else, but for Thomas. Jesus came just to meet him where he was at. It says eight days later, Jesus comes back in again and the door was locked. Leonard, you can come on up. I'm finishing. It says eight days later, Jesus shows up again through the wall, just appears in the middle of the situation. Eight is the number of new beginnings. So Thomas now has this opportunity to have a new beginning. And that's what happens when we encounter Jesus. It's a new beginning. We become a new creation. And Thomas is sitting there and Jesus shows up and he's like, wow. This time he wasn't getting Chick-fil-A. He wasn't getting the order. He was just sitting there chilling. Probably angry, probably mad, but he was still there. Hurt, frustrated, but he was still there. And Jesus shows up and he meets Thomas where he was at. He meets Thomas where he was at. He didn't make Thomas do something to, to, to get to him. He said, Thomas, I'm going to meet you where you're out because I know your faith level is low. I know that you need me to show up right here. The door's locked. Jesus shows up. Peace be still. Why are you guys locking the door? 
thought I already showed you I'm real. I'm alive, okay? Quit locking the door. I won't have to walk through the wall every time. Thomas is sitting there, probably tears streaming down his face now. Realizing in that moment, he didn't forget about me. He didn't, he didn't overlook me, but guess what? It was when Jesus spoke, he said, Thomas, okay, here, now feel. Then the faith was deposited back into Thomas. The faith that had left him, the faith that had gone because he had relied on his own human intellect and his human understanding of what religion should be. But God begins to remind Thomas here, let me show you what it's all about. It's not about a religion. It's about the fact that I died for you and let me speak faith back into your life. And in this moment, in this encounter, in this experience with the Son of God who has just died, Thomas gets what he was asking for. Jesus met Thomas where he was at. And it says here, feel my scars. And then he says, you believe because you've seen, but blessed is those who believe when they don't see. And guess who he was talking about in that sentence was us, was me, and was you. He knew that he was going up to heaven and no more would we be able to see Jesus in his human flesh, but he would send somebody else in his Holy Spirit. And he's saying, Thomas, I'm gonna meet you where you're at and show you the scars, but there's gonna be people behind you who are gonna be in the same situation as you, hurt by church, hurt by people, hurt by religion, wondering in their mind, is this all real? And guess what I'm gonna send? I'm not gonna be there in my human flesh, but I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit. And in that encounter and in that place, they will know that I am real. And when the word is spoken, there's gonna be faith deposited back in them again. Faith is initiated by God. So I believe what Paul was saying to Timothy, saying, Timothy, if you want to have a voice in people's life, live a life of faith. Live a life relying on God's voice and, and, and obeying where he tells you to go. People don't want a, lead, a, a leader who just leads based off their own intellect and their own reasoning. People want a leader who's gonna lead based off the voice of God. And when he says go, we go. When he says stay, we stay. When he says give, we give. When he says love, we love. When he says forgive, we forgive. Why? Because it's not about us, but God deposits what we need to make it through the storm that we are in. And maybe you're like Peter and you're in a storm that is paralyzing you. It's a new attack. It's a new storm. It's like nothing you have ever seen before in your life. Just when you thought you had victory, just when you thought you, you, had, you had made it, just when everything was going your way, there's a new attack that began to come against you. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's business. Maybe it's a personal addiction that's now beginning to creep back in your life and you thought you had victory over it. But whatever it is, maybe that's you tonight. And you're hearing the word of God. And you're hearing God speak. And all he's waiting for you to do is obey and step into that storm. And guess what? That faith that, 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 that you're looking at, this storm that you cannot walk through, you cannot make it. When the word is spoken, there's gonna be an ability to walk through the circumstances that paralyze us in fear. Or maybe, maybe you're like Thomas. You're hurt. You're frustrated with religion. You're frustrated with church. You're frustrated with people. You're frustrated with life. 
and intellectually none of this makes sense. I believe God wants to send you the person in the Holy Spirit to show you his scars and to show you his sign. That in the Holy Spirit and an encounter with him, guess what? Bitterness towards people and religion can be washed away. There can be forgiveness again. You can have freedom again. I don't know about you, but for me, that's the kind of life I wanna live. There is no safety in faith, but there is victory. See, there's safety in the boat. There's safety of just staying okay. But when we hear God's word and we know we're supposed to obey it, and we do, and though we may fail right after that, guess what? We obeyed it and we did something that nobody else has ever done. We begin to walk in victory through the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your mind or in your heart, but I do know that God's presence is here. And the person that Jesus has sent for us to be our proof that he died for us and the Holy Spirit is present in this place. And that if you wanna get out of your current situation, it's not gonna come, come through your own human intellect or your human effort, but it's gonna come by obeying that voice that the Holy Spirit will speak to your soul. And I wanna, I wanna encourage us as we pray, let's make this a declaration over ourselves as a community. We're gonna pray, we're gonna bow our heads and close our eyes, but I wanna ask that we all stand. Because after we pray, we're gonna just go into worship for a little bit. We're gonna go into a worship, and worship isn't just a song, but it's humbling ourselves before God and waiting for his voice and listening for his voice. And when he speaks in worship, I ask you to obey and give up the things that God is asking you to release. Releasing our, home, our own human intellect, releasing our own human understanding and saying, God, I want what you have for me. I want the best thing, and that is the life that you have planned for me. And so in worship, that's what we are doing. We are releasing our human intellect, releasing our human effort and receiving what God has for us. And he's depositing faith in our spirits again. So let's bow our head and close our eyes out of a moment of concentration and privacy. Let's pray this together. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.